Good morning, Cornerstone Church family. And I want to also extend my welcome. Welcome to you wherever you are watching this service and whenever you are watching it. It kind of stinks to be back virtual only for worship. Um, but there are a couple upsides, I realize. If you're home with your family, you don't have to wear a mask while you're doing worship today. And even better, if you're in Boston today, you didn't have to go out in the cold to get to church. So I've been gone for, um, for a number of weeks over the holidays visiting family. And um, our family was able to be together, all of us together in the same place for the first time right before Christmas, um, for the first time since COVID. And at one point we were, um, it was just my, Marla and I and our three adult children because everybody else had gone to bed. And we were making a puzzle, which is something we do as a family regularly during the holidays. And somebody got us to start sharing our most embarrassing, most cringeworthy moments ever in our lives. And we laughed so hard that our sides ached. It was one of those times with family that, that you will remember forever for the sweetness of it. And the other upside of it is that, um, that we've got really good stuff to blackmail each other with if we ever want to do that. And so, um, so I was with family, and that was wonderful to be with them. Did a wedding in New Jersey right after Christmas and did a workshop for a Higher Calling Conference and got back about a week ago. And it's 2022. And it's still COVID. Who would have anticipated that, right? So by way of introduction to the scripture for the message today, um, I'm going to have to share a personal scripture kind of confession. Um, but before I do that, I want to read for you 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the entire chapter, even though Pastor Hojan got to speak on the first part of it last week. We're going to read the entire chapter so that we have the flow of and the context for what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles or you can watch the screen in front of me, in front of you, um, we're going to read the entire chapter, a little bit long, but I think a worthy read. 2 Peter 1, verses 1 to 21. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection godlike unconditional love. For if you possess 
these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, Peter continues, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him, on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. It's one of my favorite scriptures to preach from. If I was ever at a church and they walked up to me three minutes before the sermon and said, the pastor's too sick to be able to preach, can you preach a message? This would be the passage I would preach on because that sermon is in the box and ready to go. I love 1 Peter 1, 3 through 11. So I was a little bit jealous when I came back from vacation and Pastor Hojan got that passage to preach instead of me. Here's my confession, though. I pretty much always ignored the second half of 2 Peter chapter 1. In fact, I went back and looked. I've not preached on any other passage in 2 Peter other than chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And I became aware of how really kind of tragic that is as I immersed this week in the second half of 2 Peter chapter 1. Because it spoke to me this week with a power and a grace in what was, for me, an actually pretty horrible week. 
So to appreciate the passage, it helps to have a little bit of, remember some things about the Apostle Peter back in the Gospels. Our best guess is that 2 Peter was preached in the early 60s AD. When Peter had 2 Peter written, it would have been over 30 years since he walked with Jesus in the time of the Gospels. And as you probably all know, on the night that Jesus was crucified, three times Peter denied that he even knew Christ. And then in John chapter 21, John reports the, the meeting of Peter with Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus so graciously restores Peter back after his denial. And then at the end of that conversation, John reports that Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then John tells us, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. So it's been over 30 years. And in those 30 years, across those 30 years, Peter has been feeding and shepherding the sheep of God. And at the time of the writing of 2 Peter, he senses that his death is coming near. And he was surely correct. Because Peter was actually in Rome in 64 AD when the emperor Nero burned down the city in a drunken kind of, of orgy. And then Emperor Nero decided to make the Christians the scapegoats and blamed them for burning the city of Rome. And uh, tradition reliably tells us that it was in this persecution of Nero against the Christians, it was at this time that Peter was martyred. He was crucified, we're told upside down, um, in the Neronian persecution of 64 AD. So in 2 Peter, Peter senses that his death is not far off, which makes 2 Peter really Peter's last word and testament. He wanted to remind the coming generation of Christians of vitally important things that they should never ever forget. As his generation, the first generations of Christians was passing and the next generation of Christians was emerging, he wanted to make sure that they remembered the most important qualities and foundations of the Christian faith. So with that little bit of background, let me reread for you verses 12 through 15. Peter writes, Therefore, I intend to always, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, those qualities in verses 3 through 11. I intend to always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body, his death, will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. 
do you hear how much Peter is concerned that the followers of Jesus do not forget? If you look at it, Peter intends to always remind us. He wants to stir us up by way of reminder. And then he says that he will make every, every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Kind of reminds me of the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. Remember when Galadriel is speaking and she says, there it is, some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. Brothers and sisters, I suspect that over these last few years of COVID and racism and sexism and divisiveness and greed and all of the deconstruction of our theology and deconstruction of church and deconstruction of our relationship with work and our relationship with romance and our relationship with Jesus, I suspect that there are some things that we have forgotten that should not be lost. And Paul reminds us of three, not Paul, Peter reminds us of three of them. The first that he reminds us that we should not forget, that we should always remember, are the qualities of verses 3 through 11 in increasing measure. In verse 12, Peter says he will always remind us of these qualities. I'm not going to dig into the qualities because those were in the scripture verses for last week. But if you've never done so, you would do well to list those eight qualities, write what you sense they mean, and then brainstorm some ideas for how you can get more of each of them in your own life in increasing measure for the rest of your life. Especially if you are not particularly effective and productive right now in your Christian life, Here's a plan from the Apostle Peter, straight from Scripture. Here's a plan for you to become effective and productive in your knowledge of Jesus by attending to each of these qualities in increasing measure for the rest of your life. We must never forget. We must always remember to nourish faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly love, and godlike sacrificial love in increasing measure for the rest of our lives. And the reason this is important is because our welcome into the eternal kingdom, our welcome into heaven will be proportional. The richness of it will be proportional to how we have devoted ourselves to these qualities in ever-increasing measure. And Cornerstone Church, as a community of grace, can we please be a church that constantly reminds each other all the time to develop these qualities in increasing measure? And then in verses 16 to 18, Peter tells us a second thing that we should never forget, that we should always remember. In verses 16 to 18, Peter brings up one of the most significant spiritual experiences of his life, namely the transfiguration. 
Here's how the transfiguration is reported in the Gospel of Mark, where we really do see it from Peter's own perspective. This is Mark 9, verses 2 through 8. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Can you imagine the awe of seeing Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, in all of his honor and glory and majesty at the transfiguration? And this is what Peter is remembering in 2 Peter chapter 1. In verses 16 to 18, he says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. Brothers and sisters, is Christ in all his honor and glory and majesty the very center of your life and of your faith? When you think of your Christian faith, when you think of your life, do you think first and foremost and most about Christ in all of his glory and honor and majesty? Way too often I talk to fellow Christians about their faith and I ask them how they're doing. And very often I don't hear much about the honor and glory of Christ. What I hear from most Christians when I ask them how they're doing in their faith and in their life, from Christians I hear them um, kind of, they, they hang their heads and say, well, I'm not doing very well. I'm not praying enough or I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not doing enough good or I'm sinning too much. And, and if they don't talk about their own inadequacies, what I hear many Christians talk about is the inadequacies of the church. When we think of our Christian faith, if we think first about our inadequacies and the inadequacies of the church, guess what? Christ is not center. We are, or the church is. 
if we think more about, about our failures when we think of our spiritual life, then our spiritual life is the center and not Jesus. And in this current deconstruction and reconstruction of our faith and our lives and our relationship with Jesus, and in the current rebooting of Cornerstone Church for 2022 and beyond, we must at all times, we must put Jesus in all of his honor and glory and majesty, we must put Jesus at the very, very center. In 2022 and beyond, we must live Christocentric. We must live Christ-centered lives. We must make Christ-centered decisions. We must not study or work. We must not make career decisions. We must not engage in social media. We must not date. We must not do anything with our friends. We must not see our marriage and our children. We must not vote. We must not share our opinion in any way that does not have at the center Jesus in his honor and glory and majesty. Brothers and sisters, what will you do to put Jesus more at the center of your life so that when you think of your faith, you think of Jesus first and most? Not about you, not about the church, not about the world, not about COVID, but you think of Jesus first. Peter is scared to death that the next generation of Christians is going to come along and they're going to forget to keep Christ at the center. He's scared to death that they will make decisions large and small without first determining what would Jesus say and what would Jesus do. Well, the third thing that Peter wants us to never forget and always remember in these verses is the importance of Scripture as the voice of God to light our lives. Right after talking about the centrality of Christ, Peter talks about the importance of Scripture. Scripture is not the center of Christianity. Christ is the center. But Scripture is vitally important, critically important, for, to remind us of the will and of the, the, the ways of God. Scripture is vitally important to constantly point us back to Jesus as the center. And Scripture is vitally important to guide us to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. In verses 19 to 21, Peter says this, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter wants to always remind us of the importance of Scripture. And so he says, we do well to pay attention to Scripture as to a lamp shining 
in a dark place. Scripture for Christians. Scripture is not like any other human writing. Scripture is not another opinion. Scripture is God's will and God's ways. Scripture is not another option. Scripture is the authoritative option. Scripture is not cleverly devised myth. Scripture is based on eyewitnesses. Scripture is not subjective. Scripture is true for everyone, everywhere, all the time. And Scripture is not from the will of men. Scripture is from God through the Holy Spirit. It is true. Scripture can be twisted. And Peter seems to be referring to this a little bit when he talks about how no Scripture can have like private individual interpretations. The way the Apostle Paul says the same thing in 2 Timothy 2.15 is he said that we must rightly divide the word of truth. So scripture must be understood according to God's will and God's ways. This said, no scripture was ever produced by the will of men. God had things he wanted us to know. So he inspired writers to write down his will and his ways so that we would know direction from the creator of the universe to guide our lives. There's lots more in these couple verses to explore, but what seems absolutely critically important for us right now in 2022 in the, the culture and world in which we live, what seems critically important is to remember the absolute importance of scripture, to be the light of our lives. Psalm 119, the psalmist said, Your word is a light to my path. It is a lamp to my feet. Um, during Abide last fall, um, we had a meme contest. Those of you who are there know that. And someone sent me this meme, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who you are. Someone sent me this, this meme that I wanted to share with you today. Take a look. Complaining about God being silent when your Bible is closed is like complaining about not getting texts when your phone is off. Brothers and sisters, what will you do to bring scripture more into your life? Would you please stop feeling guilty about not reading the Bible as much and find creative, life-giving ways to, to have scripture shape you. Some of you need to quit just stop trying to read more Bible. It's time for you to study the word. So get to a BibleGateway.com or another resource, read a scripture, and then read some commentaries. And never, ever, ever have scripture come into your life that you don't listen for what the Spirit wants to say to you. And Cornerstone Church, can we recommit to engage with Scripture as God's light for our life constantly as a community of grace? When we get back together with our small groups, can we commit to always, always devote ourselves to the Word of God heard in community so that we can encourage one another to walk in the ways of God? Our world is dark and murky. We have the word of God to shine light in our world in a dark place. So, if we, as Peter instructs us 
if we remember these three things, if we remember to nourish the qualities of verses 3 through 11 in increasing measure, if we always place Christ at the center of our faith and our life, and if we live into the critical importance of Scripture as God's light for our lives, it can't help. It will inevitably change everything about how we live. It will inevitably affect every part of our lives. And it might surprise us how. So all last Monday, I immersed myself in um, 2 Peter 1, 12 to 21. And I just had this amazing time of just spending time in the scriptures, meditating and researching and studying. And then on Monday night, a spiritual darkness descended over me like I've only experienced a couple times in my life. I was undone. I was wrecked. I called Marla. I called each of my three children. I called my brother. And the next day, I called all of my closest friends, some of whom have known me for over five decades. It was so dark for me that I knew that I was walking through a valley of the shadow of death. And I didn't sleep Monday night very much. I tossed and turned and tossed and turned. But I had been in these verses remembering to make Christ the center and remembering the importance of Scripture. I'd been in the Scripture for, for eight hours the day before. And so three prayers just came to me, and I prayed them over and over and over and over on Monday night. First one was, Jesus, you're in the center. I will trust that what Satan intends for evil, you intend for good. And the second prayer was, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And the third prayer was, was in the words of, of Job, um, I said, I trust you, Jesus, even if you slay me, still will I praise you. I actually didn't know whether I'd be able to manage a sermon this morning. And amazing thing about our staff is I shared it with them on Tuesday morning, and they, I think they had a backup preacher up until I walked up to the mic today. Um, Spent a lot of time with friends and family this week, being reminded of my truest self. If Jesus were not the center of my life, if I had not immersed in Scripture for decades of my life, I would have no light in the darkness. And here's the surprise. With Christ in the center and the importance of Scripture, I didn't so much experience more truth this week in the darkness as much as I experienced steadfast love. I came across a quote this week. It goes like this. We think we are making spiritual progress when we realize we love God we are actually making spiritual progress when we realize how much God loves us. The tar part of that is making us the center of our faith, how we love God. 
The second part of it is making God the center of our faith, how he loves us. Things are still kind of scary in my soul right now. Actually, nothing's gotten better. I don't know how I would have gotten through this without Christ and without Scripture and without my community gathering around me. And I know that as I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I need fear no evil because Christ is with me. And I am in his loving care no matter what. Um, I wept through the singing of worship songs before I came up to preach. If Christ is the center, when our lives are dark, we can trust that he will hold on to us. So I want to conclude this message with a reading of Psalm 132 in the hopes that maybe we can all experience some of what God has for us when Christ is the center and scripture is honored. And um, wherever you are, would you read Psalm 130 aloud with me? And then after we read it, we'll take a moment to be still and you can reflect on the words. Then Pastor Danny will come and end our time of worship and song. Let's read slowly. Um, Maybe take a breath before each line. Just paste your voice to my voice. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. So that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. People of God, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. With him is full redemption. He will redeem us from all our sins. Be still for a moment with Christ at the center and these words of scripture to light your life. And in just a moment, Pastor Danny will close our worship. Lord Jesus, be our rock, be our anchor, be our everything, be our hope in times of darkness, continue to be the light of the world, be our solid rock when everything else is shifting sand, be the center of our hearts, the immovable and unchangeable God when everything else is fleeting and transient, 
here today and gone tomorrow. Be our assurance and our confidence. Be our sovereign, most trustworthy God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you do this ministry inside of all of our hearts, that you would keep Christ at the center. And would his word be the bread that we eat every single day. And Lord, in this season of life that has certainly uh, tested us and tried us, stretched us, and maybe even beat us up a little bit, I pray that you would just re-strengthen and focus our resolve. That this very simple prayer that we lifted up in this song would like a fortress, just buttress our, our belief, our trust, and our our confidence and our assurance in you. Though none go with me, still I will follow. We want to follow you with all of our days. Thank you for being our awesome and almighty God, for being with us. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.